Welcome to Project Give Back Connects, an extension of Project Give Back in the classrooms, dedicated to inspiring young students to become empathetic, understanding, and community-minded leaders. Project Give Back Connects offers a dose of inspiration and thoughts for discussion. Each live episode is taped and shared with classroom teachers and their students. Sit back, get cozy, let's get connected. Hi everyone. I can't believe this is our sixth episode already of Project Give Back Connects. It is so much fun and it's so inspiring to hear from such amazing people week after week after week. Well, today is definitely no different. And today is going to be such an inspiring evening. I am so excited for today's guests. Um, it's all about self-compassion. And think about that for a minute. It's so important, self-compassion. You know, you think of a friend and if your friend says to you, uh, you know, I'm just so, I'm just so not smart. I'm just so stupid. I just, I just can't do this. I, I'm not good enough. What would you say to your friend, right? You would probably say, you are absolutely smart enough and you can so do it. I believe in you. So why is it that we don't say those things to ourselves? It's so important for us to have self-compassion, especially during difficult times. So that's what tonight is all about. Our first guest I've known since she was three years old and she was one of my campers and she had this great head of hair and she used to sit on my lap and she was the sweetest sweetest little girl with the scruffiest voice but today she is a woman and a very brilliant woman her name is Jody Larry she is a naturopathic doctor she is famous for her special cleanse for life program that anyone who's done it has absolutely raved about it they say it's it's changed their lives she is so dedicated to teaching everyone how to live a healthy lifestyle and to be the best version of themselves. She's always researching and she's always improving herself. And as she improves herself, we improve ourselves. So that's such a beautiful thing about Jody. She's just so real and so raw. And anything she does is so passionate and 100%. She was blown away by Brene Brown. So what does Jody do? She becomes a facilitator in daring way. So here she is going to share some of her brilliance with us. Thank you, Jody. Here is Jody Mary. Thanks, Jody. Thank you so, so, so much, Ellen, for that beautiful introduction. I'm so honored and humbled to be here. Anything that Ellen Levy Schwartz creates is a is sure to be a magical, magical, emotional touching community and evening. So thank you so much for having me. I'm going to make sure that I keep to my time and 10 minutes on self-compassion is, is very hard, uh, but I'm going to do my best. So self-compassion, unfortunately, is not the human default. And I say unfortunately, because I really believe that it's why the world is in the place that it is in right now. 
because the human default, and this is science, right? The brain, when it goes into a high emotion, stress, fear, anxiety, it actually is to become critical and judgmental of self or other. So unless we had parents like Ellen Levy Schwartz growing up, and most of us didn't, I didn't for sure, then we really didn't learn the tools of how to be in a good relationship with ourselves. And if we weren't given those tools, and most of us, like I said, I, I don't joke when I say like, unless we had someone like Ellen leading the way or, you know, a therapist or a psychologist as parents, most of us weren't taught how to be in a kind and loving relationship with themselves. And I'm curious, you, I can see all of you, which is beautiful, not all of you, but most of you. Who here, and you can raise your hand, who here was taught how to have a positive and loving relationship with themselves? Raise your hand if you were taught that. So about th three or four of you, okay? And, and the, some of them were like this, okay? Nice to see some of the younger ones were raising their hands. It shows that the generations are changing. That's a positive thing. It's a really positive thing. I love that it was the young people that raised their hands. That's very positive. But most of the other people didn't. And that's okay. Because what research has shown is that we can change that. But we have to understand that it's not a flip, like a switch that just you know, flicks. It's like one day you're critical and now you know this information and then boom, you wake up in the morning and now you're compassionate and you love yourself. It's actually a practice. You have to work towards it because most people's default is I'm stupid. I'm not good enough. Look at everybody else. And I love that the girls raised their hands, the young girls. Yes, I have a practice. Yes, I was taught that because it's getting even worse, you know, with social media and comparison. As soon as we're comparing ourselves in any way with others, that's not self-compassion. So we really have to look at how we're taking things in and how we're connecting that to our worth. All of us. And, you know, a lot of you, it's all ages here, which I love, but, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of you are parents here. And I always ask the question, you know, do you want to raise children that love themselves and know that their worth comes from the inside and is fixed? Who here wants to raise children like that? Okay. I hope all of you. Good. <laughs> Everyone. Who here lives that way now? Okay, awesome. I have some issues. I have some like this. So for those who didn't raise their hand, for those who are like this, then we have to learn. And I'm sure even for those who went like this, there's still work to do. You know, none of us are always perfectly self-compassionate. We're all critical if we're honest. We're all critical if we're honest. We all have days where we don't feel like we're enough. We all have days where we're being hard on ourselves and judgmental of ourselves. We all do. 
right? Yeah. Okay. Now people are like, yeah, I don't want to admit that. But it's true. So, and for most people, when they're actually stressed, when they're in high emotion, it can actually become worse. And that's what's really important to note. And that's where the science comes in. So I want to, because I have like four more minutes, I'm going to explain a little bit about the science of this so that you understand. Okay. When a human brain goes into high emotion, stress, anxiety, fear, panic, anything, the amygdala turns on. The amygdala is the emotional brain. And when we go into the emotional brain, all of us, we, every single human being, we become very all or nothing. We start to think in extremes. We become very impulsive. And we also become very critical. And if you're human, I hope you can relate to what I'm saying. You all know this place, okay? And the problem is, is that when most people are here, they also become very critical of self or others. They blame in or they blame out when they're in this place. And this is where self-compassion as a science comes in because what most people do when they're highly emotional is they just keep <sighs> blaming in or blaming out, blaming in or blaming out, blaming in or blaming out. And that keeps them actually very stuck. And what people need when they're in that highly emotional place is love. Like Ellen said, when you call your friend, most people don't talk to themselves internally when they're in high emotion the way they talk to their friends. Most people don't. Most people can give it out there very easily, but not receive it inside. Most people are very hard on themselves. So that increases the emotion. When you are critical to yourself in high emotion, it increases the emotion. So when you are in any level of high emotion, you want to be aware of this and then you want to start bringing in a practice of self-compassion, which is soothing yourself with love in that emotion, giving yourself love and support, which is not the brain's tendency, guys. So you have to override like your natural human tendency. But when you do, it actually calms the brain and you can move through the emotion so much easier. So self-compassion is a practice. It is not the human default. You have to be very aware of where you are. Most of our automatic reactions, like I said, are, are to be critical of self, to feel like we're not enough, to always you know, look for the, to the outside for what's happening in terms of our value of ourselves. And especially when we're in high emotion, most people become very critical. We have to learn how to be aware of what's happening and start to practice being kind to ourselves in those places. And the last thing I'll say about this is the first place to start is with comparison. The first place to start is to be very mindful because as soon as you're in comparison, you're out of self-compassion and you're out of looking inside for your value. And it's really important. So um, I'm going to stop there because my time is up. 
And I hope that was helpful for you guys. It's really hard to, you know, concise that so quickly, but I hope something resonated and um, thank you. So Jody, just one quick, how do you get there? How do you get to that place when you're in that negative labeling, I would say, and how, how do you turn it around to be positive and to talk nicely to yourself? Okay. I know it's a, yeah, it's no, it's a good question. question. It's a big question. So yeah. the first is that it's actually a practice. That's why I said, it's not a switch that just flicks like, oh yeah, now I'm compassionate. Like that's not how it works. It's a practice. In my opinion, it's no different than physical exercise. You want abs, you do sit-ups every day. You just stop doing your sit-ups. You don't get your abs. That our brain's default is shame and criticism. Science has shown this. So if you want to start having compassion where normally your brain goes critical, you have to practice. You have to be aware and you have to just start practicing. So where you would normally be like, what's wrong with you? And why are you so emotional? And why are you so sensitive? And why do you yell at your kids so much? And, ah, you know, normally when you do that, it's taking a deep breath and feeling your overwhelm and saying, you know what? You have a lot going on. You're doing your best. I'm really proud of you. And, you know, you got this. And in that you settle, right? The nervous system settles. And then you, you can try again. You become aware and you try that instead of the normal. And then if you practice over and over and over and over again, like you do enough sit-ups, you build that muscle, but it's a muscle that needs to be built. It's a practice. It's not the human default. And that's really important for people to note that it's like our brain is wired for criticism and comparison and scarcity. And we have to work every day and practice to rewire that. And if we do, so much changes. Thank you so much, Jody. If yeah. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? I would say email or my website. I can put it in the chat. Okay. Thank you so much, Jody. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Jody, a big round of applause, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was so helpful. And just, I, I hope you come back and I hope we get to learn more. Just Anytime. Thank you so much. Lens one day, but I have to quit coffee and I just don't. I just can't. <laughs> one day, one day at a time. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Jody. So, our next guest, I met when she was in grade four and she did Project Give Back. And I'll tell you, July, her name is July, beautiful name, crept into my heart and has not left. She has a story to tell and July is gonna tell that to you tonight. Thank you, July, for being here. Welcome. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Ellen. Thank you for being here, July. Where do I even start? <laughs> so I, my name's July and um, I was born with kidney failure. Um, growing up, I, Obviously, when I was six years old, I had a kidney transplant and my dad waved, dad, dad waved. My dad was my kidney donor and 
Um, so yeah, I was in the hospital for about a month, but over a year I was going in and out of the hospital, you know, going in for usual blood work and checkups yearly. And I still do that to this day. And as December 1st, it has been 11 years since my kidney transplant. So that's really good. <laughs> um, um, and then really my whole journey started when I met Ellen and when I was at Crestwood School and when they introduced Project Give Back to us, which automatically spoke to me as I'm always a person who wants to give back to people who has always been so involved in my life and who has made such a huge impact. So for Project Give Back, we're supposed to do a project um, about a fundraiser that we wanna do. And I chose to do the Kinney Foundation of Canada, which I was just, I didn't know much about it at a young age, but as I started learning more about it, I was just so, I was so at shock because I was just like, there's so much I don't know about people who have given so much to me. So uh, <laughs> uh, over the years, after, I, after Project Give Back, a whole opportunity opened up to me. So for the past 10 years, I did a fundraiser on the Kinney Foundation in Canada, and I've raised over $60,000 for the Kinney Foundation of Canada. Um, I've gotten, <laughs> thank you, Alan. Um, I've gotten, I've, I got an award from the Kinney Foundation of Canada. I think it was the youngest um, person to raise amount of money for the Kinney Foundation, who I believe, I forget his name, but he was a really big um, sports reporter who got it before me. Um, and then I got, of course, I'm really happy I received uh, an award from Project Give Back after I spoke a couple years ago there. Um, and I think what I took away from my whole story about, you know, spending so many years and basically I grew up at SickKids as if it was my second home. I grew up so differently from everyone else. And I really learned the meaning of life at such a young age. I think looking back, I realized like, wow, like I went through a lot at a young age, but like I came out with having this whole new sense of life and, you know, being so thankful for what I have and how I get to live every day now like a normal a normal person and i owe it all to sick kids and my family and crestwood like miss badler and ellen for introducing me to this whole thing and it's opened a huge door to opportunities that i never thought would be imaginable so i'm just so happy that i was here to speak about my story that you know it's so much concise but it's, it's so happy that I'm here to be able to talk about such, something that's so close to my heart. And I'm just so honored that Ellen let me speak here. And I thank you so much, Ellen. July, you're awesome. Let's give her a big thank round of applause, everybody. July, <laughs> thank you so, so much. Um, gosh, I can't, I'm just going to university next year, guys. Like that's so crazy. crazy. I, it's crazy that you're that old now. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting old. 
And what you've chosen to do at camp, you, she's working with special needs kids. And I can't think of anyone more perfect. You're so empathetic. Thank you so much. And kind. And thank you, July. Thanks for sharing. And congratulations on thank your you. 11th year anniversary. That is oh, the best thing ever. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, July. So our next speaker, talk about a name. She suits her name perfectly. Uh, because her name is Joy. And when I met Joy at the same time when I met July, and I would see Joy, I'd walk by her office, and there were always students in her office. She was principal at Crestwood School, and I would walk by, and there were kids, and they'd be knitting, or they'd be coloring, or they'd be reading, or they'd be singing, or because they went into Joy's office, and they felt safe, and they felt loved. And Joy just believes in the mental health of her young people. So Joy, will you come on and, and say a few words, please? Thanks. Ellen, thank you. It is such an honor to be here tonight and surrounded by so many people who have been so integral to making me who I am today. So my name is Joy Badler. Over the last 10 or 15 years, I became Mrs. B, I guess, because Badler was bad. And recently, I have gone into semi-retirement and launched my own Joy Badler Consulting, which is a company where I am able to spread the love and the joy and the programs that I developed over the years and actually with July being here, the initiation of what has become Mindfully Me and Mrs. B started many years ago when I was teaching with some of you at Leo Beck and we were faced with 9-11, the crisis of 9-11, children overwhelmed and needing to bring some mindfulness and calm into our lives. And I developed my program initially, which we called Power Hour. And in that program, I started to teach children some skills that would allow them to be able to connect and figure out some semblance of calm and, and safety. And my mandate has always been, there's no need to fix anyone. Nobody needs to be fixed. People need to learn how to discover themselves to be able to appreciate who they are. And at the core of my very practice, I've taught children throughout my 36 years as a teacher, the poem by Louise Hay called the I Love Myself poem. And July will remember, Ellen's heard many times, but with the concept of being able to say, I love myself the way I am. There's nothing I need to change. I'm beautiful, I'm capable, I can do this. And it's all good and well to live with this philosophy because as Ellen and Jody referred to earlier, having voices in your head, which are very often worse than any bully you may encounter is extremely difficult. And even when we are in a physical situation where we're being bullied, we are able to extract ourselves from that situation to some extent. But when the bully is a voice in your head, 
telling yourself that you're not worthy and that you you are a loser and you're never going to be successful. It's very, very hard to move ahead. So I figure just for the benefit of the time, I'm going to talk a little about three strategies that I try to teach all children. And the thing is, each of us as adults and children themselves experience that feeling of being overwhelmed. As adults, as Jody spoke about our amygdala and our fight or flight, as adults, as we grow older, we become better able with our executive functioning skills to address situations. But for children, very often, it's a learning situation and we need to teach them strategies that they can use, which are helpful. And the strategies that I'm going to share tonight are strategies that I've shared with my own three children and many other children I have shared with so many beautiful parents. The first strategy is the basic concept of being in touch with your breath. And what I like to teach children is the power of their own magic breath without making breathing into something that is something else you can't do. I simply give them the instruction to do the two, four breathing or the three, six breathing so that it's a big breath in, slow breath out and teaching children to be able to follow their breath and feel that feeling when we, even as adults, are come out of a situation and you inherently just sigh. That's our body telling us we need this kind of regulation. So teaching children how to follow their breath and how to be able to use that skill, which is something we have with us all the time, is the most powerful strategy. The next thing that I like to encourage children to do, and it's worked very much, worked very well for me, is being involved in the practice of daily affirmations. And for many children over the years, when children come into my program, I give them a little card with the words of Louise Hay with the I love myself the way I am poem. And a lot of those children use that as an affirmation that they would use to give them power to be able to do something which may not make them comfortable. So having a daily affirmation, waking up, recognizing that you actually are valuable and sometimes you're just your own worst enemy, giving them some, something concrete to focus on. And the basic program, program July May Remember, was a program that I encouraged children to take themselves to the spa a place of beauty where the acronym was stop, do your breathing, pause and ponder and reflect and look at where you are in the situation. Are you in danger? Do you need to react? Or would it be better for your act to be submissive? Would it be better for you to just realize I can put that in my ignore box? And I think that for a lot of children, having some sort of structure where they are taught about their breath and how magical their brains are 
and to recognize that they are perfect with all of their imperfections and that they need to realize that they have the power themselves not to catastrophize is a gift that I would love to continue sharing with all the children throughout the world. Thank you so much, Joy. I think you're going to have some people reaching out. That's just amazing. Uh, so nice to hear you're jumping for joy. Um, all of us at 57, we should all be jumping for joy. And that is incredible. Thank you. Thanks, Joy. So our next guest, you guys just relax because I'm so excited for you to meet the very special Jules. Talk about another name that fits this person. That's what Jules is. She is a jewel. She is a spark. Like you will, you will not believe. I'm so excited for you to meet her. Um, how many 12-year-old girls get to sing the national anthem at Madison Square Garden? So Jules is here and she's gonna sing for you. Jules, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so I'm going to sing, I say a little prayer by Aretha Franklin, but I think, I think she did the original version, but I'm not sure exactly. So yeah, just gotta roll up my sleeve, sorry. And I'll wake up before I put on my makeup, I say a little prayer for you. For me, there is no one with you. 
Jewels. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Thank you so much, Jules. Jules sings with us on Sundays since COVID hit. We've been having concerts and linking together the special needs community and elderly community together with talented, talented singers like Jules. And uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, everyone, it's time for Lindsay and our call to action with Kindness Corner. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, everyone. Um, so you all know that with One to Give, I crowdsource essential supplies for different shelters and food banks. And aside from individuals who help us, we get so much support from small businesses. We have all these people who right now um, you know, they, their stores are closed and they're still answering the call and saying, what can I donate? What can I give? We have restaurants that are dropping off extra food at food banks. And in talking with all these small business owners, we've just really gotten to learn some of their struggles and feel more empathy. Um, there are all these amazing websites of how you could shop small and in one place. I'm gonna link them all on One to Give's website and on our Instagram. And maybe you're not shopping right now, but you also could write a positive review on Facebook or Yelp. You could refer a friend, or you could just be conscious of the struggles that all everyone is going through, but especially small business owners as we lead up to the holiday time. Um, thank you so much. And thanks, Ellen, for having me. And as always, kindness is really contagious. Thank you so much, Lindsay. You know, talk about self-compassion, giving yourself to others and making others feel better, especially in times like these, really helps you like yourself better, right? So, Definitely. yeah, thank you so much. Wow, everyone. Thank you so much, Jody. Joy, Jules, July, Lindsay, you got to start with a J today. Your name should be a J. And Lindsay, <laughs> for coming out tonight and inspiring all of us. Guys, let's continue to embrace each other, to be kind to each other, to learn from one another. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Thanks for coming. Open your heart today.